0: Welcome to our podcast. My name is Seth. His name is Dave. Hello. I hope all is well with you. And uh, again, we continue to follow the headlines. We're not going to recap that. You can go on any news site and just see more and more and more and more. But what we try to do is bring a little bit of brevity to the whole situation.
1: When uh, people ask me how I'm doing, I'm just thinking about your comment. All is well. You know, all is not well. Mm. I We'll often say all is well on a micro scale, right? In our own lives, thank God, things are good. Children are good. Spouses are good. That kind of thing. But all is not well for our people. That's why we keep on having these conversations.
0: Well, the problem there lies is for years before October 7th, were we not focused on the conflict enough? This conflict didn't just start October 7th. The, the fighting between Israel and Hamas has been going on before, and there have been other op- opponents. This has been a never-ending struggle. It's now, it's just, it's on social media. So now it's it's just more present. But when we started this podcast, it wasn't about the situations in Israel. However... We knew they were going on. I, We, we couldn't say, it, when we did episode one, you couldn't say, oh, things in Israel, they're great.
1: Well, our perspective on Israel shifted also since October 7th. We were largely divided as an American population over the significant right-wing government under Bibi that seemed to be throwing any semblance of peace any possibility of it under the bus and a lot of us were passing judgment and i think we were passing judgment fairly that the two-state solution under bb largely seemed dead and a lot of us seemed to put aside the piece of information about that which is that the palestinians in all of that time never seemed to actually make a significant contribution towards those peace efforts. We were putting a lot on Bibi and his government, and yes, the government was problematic. We were thinking also about the judicial reforms, which were, again, problematic for many of us Jews, uh, at least in thinking about them and the impact it would have on the Israeli democracy. We were very divided. It was something that was difficult to discuss in the Jewish population, and Hamas on October 7th, really demonstrated a level of validity to the posturing that the Israeli government has been taking which is that in reality well, and,
0: the, and the vulnerability that we presented right that, in reality that there Israel isn't
1: presented. right in reality there has not been a peace partner there's been a hostile partner that was continually breaking the status quo ceasefire that we had so we probably should have been talking about Israel and I Uh, I think that a lot of us, we were focused on the divisions, focused on the things that were brought up that needed to be addressed, Uh, human rights of Palestinians and of Arabs and of certain Jews, right? These were all issues. We were focused on the small pieces and ignoring the large issue that was not even the elephant in the room. We all knew it was there. Right. But there was nothing to be done about it. It was ultimately a status quo that was being carried from year to year to year, and there would be a conflict that would arise, and there would be rockets shot out, and it would be trouble, and then Israel would uh, do countermeasures, and then there would be more quiet again. Maybe a few hostage exchanges. And I'm painting it in a way that sounds light, and it's not light. This is simply the reality that we have learned to deal with for the past few years.
0: I, I want to bring this up only because, with a little brevity, I think all these contest shows are awful. Um, from American Idol to uh, the 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 the, the, the Mass Singer and 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 America's Got Talent, all of them could literally disappear from the face of the earth, and it would not impact my life one iota. However, I did see a story in Europe where they have uh, Eurovision. Eurovision is a massive talent competition, and I think that if I lived in Europe, it would drive me just as crazy. About 300 Norwegian artists signed a petition against Israel's participation in Eurovision, and they compared it to banning Russia. (sighs) I'll leave it right there.
1: I'm very curious to know what Germany's perspective in here was because Germany has been a significantly better partner to Israel recently than the rest of Europe. But yes, there is a ton of anti-Semitism, a ton of anti-Israel sentiment there too. And this is...
0: This is public perception. An... I'm not, I don't mean to cut you off there. But the public perception of Israel globally is
1: awful the Palestinians have won that media war. By the way, with Eurovision, Israel has participated in it 45 times. Israel hosted it in Jerusalem twice in 1979 and 1999. And it seems that Israel has actually won Eurovision four times with different artists, very talented
0: people. So this is something that has been Right. This isn't like a, uh, the, the, the American Idol phase that it's not apples to But it's also
1: something that has been uh, a pri- uh, a point of pride for Israel, something that they have been proud to both submit entries to to send someone there because it puts them on the global stage. It puts them on the European stage and it shows them hitting higher than their than the limits of their borders. So them being pushed out of this competition along with others, it hurts. It's another slap in the face from people who really just don't care about Israel's need to protect its people. Pretty wild. Yeah, pretty wild. A big piece of news that came out last week is that the International Court of Justice issued uh, a provisional ruling from South Africa's suit against Israel that Israel was committing acts of genocide. The background, or where that suit came from, was largely based not on data documenting Israel's actual practices in Gaza so much as their perception of that and the data from what different members of BB's government have said. And, Let's be clear, Bibi's governmental uh, people have taken some pretty awful tacks with their words, with their views. So Israel, one of their means of combating this was actually releasing a lot of secret documents showing that the actual powers that be ensured that the things that were being said by these ministers were not actually being carried out, that... We were not performing those awful things but actually to some degree trying to limit the devastation in gaza you know one of the things that we have to think about when we're thinking about this war is not how many people are being killed but what is the ratio of civilians to Uh, militants being killed because civilians are always killed in these wars and they're killed in massive numbers and it's awful and that's simply part of war right it's not about no civilian deaths it's about limiting them as much as we can and at least according to Israeli numbers there are fewer than two civilians killed for every militant killed so when we're thinking about comments of genocide when we're thinking about comments of gross violations of human rights. This is not that. This is just the awfulness of war being put to the public eye. And when America has gone to war, plenty of civilians have died too. So that's just something to keep in mind when we're thinking about these perspectives from South Africa. Fortunately, fortunately, the ICJ did not rule that this was genocide which i'm very thankful for especially considering that the ruling came out the day before international holocaust remembrance day right like it it can't be a coincidence but what they did say was that israel had to take on a number of provisional actions that would ultimately take every possible step to stop the killing injuring and afflicting Uh, Unlivable conditions on Palestinians in Gaza, and that, of course, they should take all measures to punish any direct incitement to genocide against Palestinians, as well as assure the provision of basic services and humanitarian aid, and provide the court with a report within a month. Let's be clear Israel has come forth with the humanitarian aid. They did not do so right away. Right, it was blocked. Right, but more than 10,000 trucks of humanitarian aid have gone in to Gaza by this point. Of course, no Red Cross to visit the hostages. I think where there is a legitimate request of Israel is to actually punish direct incitement towards genocide against Palestinians. Yeah, we should not be spewing that garbage. That does not help anyone. The rest of it? We're trying to prevent our own people from being killed. We're trying to prevent our young people who are soldiers in Gaza from facing an absurd amount of risk when they go in, because their lives are important to us as well. There's doing the right thing. And in war there is no ideal thing, so do the best you can. And ultimately, we want to protect everyone's life, but foremost we want to protect our own lives i don't know how does this court ruling strike you
0: well the ends don't justify the means what what they're saying they're either saying one of two things are they saying go in with more ground attacks so that you can be definitive in who you're attacking as opposed to air missiles that that's a real request that's not an anti-semitic thing that's not an anti-israel thing What I do see is no one is blaming Hamas for using their own people as shields. And that's where the propaganda has begun. And usually what I'm surprised at is that a court doesn't see through that.
1: The court has absolutely nothing to say on Hamas, right? They don't look at Hamas's charter, which prior to 2017 echoed uh, almost exactly the language of the Protocols of the Elders of Zion. And the 2017 change in language takes out the direct anti-Jewish statements. However, it talks about the Zionist project and Zionists in a way that very clearly is talking about Jews. They're just using that veneer of civility. They also make a point that any UN declarations, including the partition, Balfour, uh, Oslo later on, that these are all invalid and they completely reject them. And they write in their charter, and I am quoting the English translation. This is paragraph 25. Resisting the occupation with all means and methods is a legitimate right guaranteed by divine laws and by international norms and laws. At the heart of these lies armed resistance, which is regarded as the strategic choice for protecting the principles and the rights of the Palestinian people. They say that international norms and laws allows for them to do anything anything they don't specify what constitutes reasonable what constitutes too much everything is available to them and they claim permission for it there is no possibility of peace with this party. They right. there shall be no recognition of the legitimacy of the Zionist entity. Whatever has befallen the land of Palestinian or Palestine in terms of occupation, settlement, building, Judaization, or changes to its features, or falsification of facts is illegitimate. Rights never lapse. Yes, they're entitled to rights, Palestinians are. But they are saying that there is absolutely no right for anything connected to Israel on the other side. It's impossible to have peace with that, and we know how that manifests itself in their practice. Irony of ironies. (laughs) They put in language that is almost laughable. They write, uh, these are paragraphs 8 and 9, By virtue of its justly balanced middle way and moderate spirit, Islam, for Hamas, Provides a comprehensive way of life and an order that is fit for purpose at all times and in all places. Islam is a religion of peace and tolerance. It provides an umbrella for the followers of other creeds and religions who can practice their beliefs in security and safety. Hamas also believes that Palestine has always been and will always be a model of coexistence, tolerance, and civilizational innovation. Hamas believes that the message of Islam upholds the values of truth, justice, freedom, and dignity, and prohibits all forms of injustice and incriminates oppressors irrespective of their religion, race, gender, or nationality. Islam is against all forms of religious, ethnic, or sectarian extremism and bigotry, it is the religion that inculcates in its followers the value of standing up to aggression and supporting the oppressed. It motivates them to give generously and make sacrifices in defense of their dignity, their land, their people, and their holy
0: places. Well, that last piece is true. But is the court reading that? No. No,
1: no way.
0: That's and, the issue. That's my problem with this. <sighs> Courts are supposed to be completely neutral. Yeah. And by the way, I want to point out
1: there that's are places— the Right, but in reading that, I just want to clarify, my laughing at this is not laughing at all Muslims. There are many, many Muslims who actually do hold to that reality. I remember being in a uh, small town in Senegal at a religious bayme naming with their imam, and the imam said with his whole heart, and I firmly believe it, that anyone who says that Islam is not a religion of peace and does not pursue that peace with all of their actual being, that they are not a true Muslim. That, I believe, from that imam, and I know plenty of other Muslims who do live that for their lives, that is very much not Hamas's MO, and they have not demonstrated that one bit in any of their uh, practices with their own population, let alone others.
0: Right. I I guess the only pushback that I have here, and I'm just being honest, what I wish was the court to acknowledge The issue with Hamas. Blame Hamas. I see people, because I do follow some people that are posting from a Palestinian perspective or an anti-Israel perspective. Remember, last week we did on the podcast, can you be anti-Israel without being anti-Semitic? Yes. My point, anytime I see someone post something on the destruction of Gaza or the uh, obliteration uh the genocide of palestinians what would i see that all the time on social media and i will say if it's somebody i know i will say how do you feel about hamas answer that question and and by not answering that question you're ignorant either and ignorant. so my point to the court the court it present the evidence and show the, d- the detail because if you are telling me israel don't ease up on the airstrikes. Go in on ground. Yes, there's higher risk, but there's less civilian casualties. Okay, I agree.
1: And my understanding is that the court would say Hamas is not a party to this court. They're not part of these treaties. Right now, the lawsuit was brought against Israel. Therefore, Israel is the group that we address regardless of what that other body is practicing. And to be fair, laws of war are not allowed to be broken by one party in international law if the other party is breaking them right one person breaking them is not an excuse for the other person to break them right but proportionality is taken into account right it's not can you do this or not is is your desired result warranting this kind of action is it reasonable to take that kind of action and While there is awful damage happening in Gaza and to that civilian base, what the hell are you supposed to do when this terrorist entity who governs that state has made their military base the entire literal foundation of the territory with guerrilla warfare? Where every space is uh, booby-trapped against penetration, right? And where... They make a point of using sensitive protected sites as their entry points, as places where they will store weapons, whatnot. We've gone through this up the wazoo. I don't know why I'm even saying it again, but we have to say it over and over again. So when we are considering what Israel has to do in Gaza, it's not going to be pretty. It's a different question of, is this effective or not for our goals? And that's a question we have to consider because we know that BB's military uh, advisors are now saying we can either wipe out Hamas or we can rescue the hostages, but we may not be able to do both, right? So whether or not this is what we ought
0: to be doing, that's a different question. As, but as to whether... Everybody wants to say the ends justify the means. That's It's the, it's the theme of the world. I we can do to... what we want to do because we need to. I think because we need to is
1: different than ends justify the means we can do what we want what we are we can do what we are doing because to do less damage to gaza puts our soldiers lives at risk that is a decision that is made in the moment that is not ends justify the means that is risk to your people versus risk to my people overall goals of the war and whether or not that is meeting our goals i don't think that's an end justify the means i think it's a is this in fact the most effective course of action for what we want right like end justify means killing palestinians wipes out hamas that you could say that is an end justify means argument except that's not the argument that they're using nor do i think is it the argument that any normal israeli will hold when a an innocent Palestinian dies which again is awful it's because they are effectively human shields or they are living above a hamas stronghold or at least something that we suspect to be so so i don't think it's even and justify the means i think it is really unfortunate circumstances and in some cases unfortunate uh decision making and of course, it becomes fuel for anti-Semitism across the world.
0: Well, right. Which the vicious cycle goes again and again and again. Yep. Nothing like a good geopolitical debate to get your day started. On a more positive note.
1: Last week, we observed the sacred day on the Jewish calendar of Tu Bishvat. What is Tu Bishvat, We may ask Seth, do you remember this from your Hebrew school days? Of course I do. Fantastic. It is the birthday of the trees. You know, everyone gets a birthday. The world gets a birthday. We get a birthday. Our redemption gets a birthday. Of course, plant life gets a birthday, too. In the same way that we bring light into darkness at Hanukkah, we bring rebirth into winter. And so Tu marks that first date that the almond trees begin to blossom again in Israel. And it's a promise of a return to life. The Kabbalists... Actually, create a seder around this where we end up through consuming uh, grape juice or wine and also lots of dried fruit that we are in our own consumption living out the return of fertility to the world after the winter. So, may this be a turning point in this period where we're surrounded by death and danger and hatred. May it Mark the beginning to a return towards life and celebration of life, and hopefully a path back towards peace. Happy Jubischwatt!